I wonder when was the last time that you just wanted to call out and just yell, I need help. I need some help. Was it, uh, was it, some, was it something at work? Uh, was it something at home? Was it something inside of your own soul? Uh, when was the last time that you needed some help? Was it, was it this week? Uh, was it this weekend? Was it this morning? Uh, how recently was that? And then I wonder, how deep was that crisis? On a scale of 1 to 10, was it just, uh, you know, I could have just used a little help there, or was it, I don't know that I can make it if I don't get some relief here? On a scale of 1 to 10, what was that, the level of that cry for help in your life recently? And then I, I don't know whether I want to ask this question or not. Did you get the help you needed? Did, was there the help that you needed? I don't know what the answer to that question was for you this week, but I have good news for you. It's found in the Word of God here in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. I have good news for you. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more but you will see me. Because I live you will also live. In that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he, we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Our Heavenly Father, we want to hear your word this morning. We want to understand your word. Lord, we want to know how your spirit has designed your words for this season of our life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just set aside any distractions this morning. Lord, I pray that we would allow your spirit to speak to the deep parts of our life. Lord, I pray the people who came hungry to hear from you will be satisfied. Lord, I pray that people who may have come with a completely different agenda, Lord, that you would break through 
and speak to them in a way like maybe you never have before. I pray this in your name. Amen. So what is our promise this week as we think about the promises of God? The promise is quite simple. God promises a helper to be with me forever. God will provide a helper to be with me forever. Now that's the truth, but we've been trying to make sure that we know that this is a truth for your life, that this is a truth for my life, so we're going to read it together on a personal way. You ready? I'm not sure that I believed you. All right, here we go. God will provide a helper to be with me forever. I want to read that again, not that you did a poor job this time, but just because I want you to hear that. I want those words to run deep inside of your life. It says, God will provide a helper to be with me forever. Think about what that simple sentence is saying there. This is the action of God Almighty. He is going to provide for me a helper, a boost, an assistance, and he is going to be with me, and it's not going to expire any time in my lifetime and beyond, but he will be a helper with me forever. That's an amazing statement this morning, and I want us to hear that as clearly as we possibly can. This morning we're talking about God's presence in the life of every believer. In fact, the first thing I want you to hear from this passage of Scripture is that God's presence is complete. God's presence is complete. Here's what I want you to hear is that I want you to know that all of God is in every believer. All of God is in each believer. Now, you may remember that we were in this chapter just a couple of weeks ago, and you may remember the context of life in John chapter 14. It's in these last chapters, it's in these chapters, chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, where, where Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room. He is preparing them for the fact that he is about to be betrayed, that he is about to be tried, he is about to be crucified, and he's about to be resurrected, and then he's going to be ascended into heaven. The disciples were not ready for anything any of that, despite the fact that Jesus had been preparing them for that for some time. But he is telling them over this sacred meal that he is having with his disciples, fellas, I'm about to leave. And you're not going to see me in the same way that you used to see me. Let me tell you, that was not just the loss of a friend that Jesus suddenly broke to them. That wasn't just the loss of a mentor. That, that wasn't just the loss of a rabbi or a teacher. This was the person that they had bet their entire lives on. And in fact, they had given up their businesses. They had walked away from everything in their life because they had bet everything on Jesus as Messiah. And now Jesus says he's leaving? In the back of their mind, the disciples have got to be running through a whole bunch of thoughts. One of them is like, how do we go back home and explain to people that the guy that we bet everything on just kind of walked? Uh, what do we do in our life? Life has been really, really hard when we've had Jesus standing here right next to us. How on earth are we going to handle life when Jesus isn't here anymore? And at the beginning of John chapter 14, he, he tells the disciples, the reason that I'm leaving is because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to where I am. But that's a future promise. Great promise, but a future promise. 
For the disciples, I'm certain that there was this question, I hear you, not sure what to do with it yet, but I hear you. But what about now? What about right now? How are we going to handle this? But Jesus is telling them that all of God will be in every believer. I want you to notice a few verses here in the passage. I want to go back and look at them. I want you to go back and look at verse 16 and 17. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him. Let's know this. You might want to underline this. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Take a look at verse 20. It says, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now that's a complicated sentence, but it's an amazing sentence. Now listen to what this is saying. He says that Jesus is in the Father, and you're in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. Take a look at verse 23. Jesus answered him and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And listen to this. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Now some of you may have been in the workplace long enough that, that you remember sometimes in the office there would be a form that everybody used. It might be an attendance form. It might be a counting form. It's just, it may be a vacation request form, but it's a form that everyone has been using forever. And back in the day, they'd run out of the forms. And so what they had to do is they had to make a copy of that form. And they had to find one of the old ones, make a copy of it, and then they would run out of those, and they'd find another old one and make a copy of it, and they'd find another old one and make a copy of it, until finally the only people who know what that form says are the people who had been there 20 years, because it's so blurry you can't read it, but you just know what it says. It's a copy of 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 a copy, stay with me, of a copy of a copy. The original is long gone. In fact, the brightness, the sharpness, the clarity of the original is long gone. Sometimes we have this sense that that's what our spiritual experience is. We know that as a believer in Christ, we have some connection to God. But, but Jesus is so far back there in history. And we're so far removed from that. And so what we have today is that well, we have just a little bit of God from a little bit of that and a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. We have a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And so yes, there is some attachment to the original. But we are so far removed from it that it seems like we can't even see the clarity or the boldness of it. It seems to be gone. Too often we get the idea that as a believer we get a dash of God, a pinch of the Spirit, and a dollop of His presence. But that's not what Jesus tells us. He tells us that every believer receives all of God. I call it Christmas of the soul. 
Christmas of the soul. In just a couple of months, we'll be celebrating Christmas. Don't get panicked about it. It'll get here. We're going to be celebrating Christmas soon. And in Christmas, we remind you that Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation of Christ. It is when God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And it's a huge deal that God left heaven, came here, put on flesh and blood and walked amongst us here. And he was present in this place. And the disciples walked right next to Jesus. It's a big deal. But what Jesus is saying is there's another incarnation still. And that incarnation is that when God no longer, when Jesus no longer walks next to you, but when the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Just as real as when the Heavenly Father came and dwelt here. The Spirit lives inside of us. God chooses to dwell here. Every all of God in every believer. I, I want to spend a moment on that every believer. Because it's possible that you can be here and you can just kind of nod and say, I get it. I hear you. I, you know, if there were a quiz today, I'd be able to say that God dwells in every believer. But I want you to hear that all of God dwells in every believer. Whether you are rich or poor, old or young, man or woman, American or Nigerian, shiny or unnoticed in a corner someplace, all of God lives within every single believer. Susan and I went to college together. We attended a college called Palm Beach Atlantic University. Sounds fancy, doesn't it? It really kind of wasn't. Uh, it is now, though. We, we couldn't afford to go there now, but back then it was not fancy. But, but Palm Beach Atlantic College, as it sounds like, is right next to Palm Beach. In fact, the island of Palm Beach is just across the intercoastal. In fact, Susan had a dorm that looked over the intercoastal into Palm Beach. I lived in a much shabbier place on the other side uh, of campus that overlooked the funeral home. Um, just the way life went sometimes. Um, but part of living in that kind of a place is that every once in a while we would go for a drive in Palm Beach. And there was just this stories that had been handed down from one generation of students to another generation of students. You would drive around Palm Beach, and Palm Beach, you, every once in a while you could see a huge house, but usually you just saw giant shrubs or giant walls. But by the time you'd been there a little while, people would tell you about different parts of that neighborhood. And you'd drive around Palm Beach and you'd say, you know who lives there? That's the Kennedys. You know who lives there? That's the, that's the Vanderbilts. You know who lives there? That's the Trumps. You know who lives there? That's the lady from I Dream of Jeannie. And so there were all of these famous places. Do you know who lives there? Wow. You know, what I could do this morning... What I should do this morning is that I should walk up and down these aisles, walk up and down these rows, and say, do you know who lives there? 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 It is the very Spirit of God that lives inside of every single believer. The address of God is the heart of every single believer. Now that is a big deal. 
Now that is a profound truth. Believer, do you know who lives inside of you? It is God himself. That's not my word. That's Jesus' word. He says it right here on the page. But wait, there's more. I would also tell you that God's presence is affectionate. Now, here's the truth. Just being close to someone doesn't always make it affectionate. Isn't that true? Uh, you, you may be sitting next to someone right now that just because of you rode in a car together today to get here, you're close together, but it's not a good day. Susan and I have had some trips where we drove in a car, and we were close to each other, but it wasn't necessarily, it hasn't happened in a long time, right, baby? But, but, but you all know it happens. Just because you're close doesn't always necessarily guarantee it's affectionate. But what I want you to see here is that when I tell you that God himself lives inside of you, it is affectionate. He tells you, I will not leave you as an orphan, as someone who has no one who loves them, because you are loved. He tells them that this presence of the Spirit is exclusive for his followers. He says this multiple times in the passage. He says, this is, this is what I'm doing for you, my disciple, my believer, my follower, the world is not going to be able to see this. The world is not going to be able to understand this. The world is not going to have this same experience that I'm promising to my believers. Now that may seem a little bit harsh sometimes. But Jesus leaves that door wide open for anyone who would receive him. But he is saying, this relationship that I have, this indwelling that I provide, it is for my believers, my disciples, my followers. And so I want you to know that if you are a follower of Christ, there is a unique relationship that you have with God the Father that is different than the rest of the world has. And then I want you to look at the rest of this passage, and I want you to see how much the love of God saturates this passage. I want you to have noticed it as we read through the passage. I want you to go back this afternoon and kind of read through this, and I want you to see how often this talks about the love of God. The Father comes to you. The Father loves you. It is the love of God. It is love of the Father. It permeates this entire passage. It permeates this entire gospel. It permeates the entire word of God, how much he loves you. Now this does not take away from the holiness of God. This does not compete with his hatred of sin. But what this tells us is that because he loved us so much that his very son came to die on a cross to defeat, to conquer sin so that we no longer lived enslaved or sin or marked by the stain of sin in our lives. And so because of that reality, when God reveals himself to us today, he reveals himself to us through the language, through the affection of love. I want you to hear this loud and clear. I want you to hear it from your toes to your hair. I want you to hear it all the way through you. Believer, he loves you. God loves you. And listen to this. God loves you. From the inside out. He lives inside of you. He loves you from the inside out. He doesn't just put up with you. He doesn't just stand next to you. He knows everything about you. And he 
loves you. Oftentimes when I try to talk to someone about what it means to have a relationship with God, one of the things that I talk about is that, that there can be some spiritual experiences that we have in our life. There can be experiences in our life that heighten our spiritual sensitivity or our awareness of God. It may be out on a lake someplace. It may be on the side of a mountain. It, it may be uh, you know, at a beach. I, I don't know where your place may be, but you just look out and say, look at the creation of God. I just feel the presence of God in this place. Maybe it's when you're around some people some godly people, and you can say, man, I don't know what the deal with them is. Their life isn't any better than mine, but I can just tell that there is something about God inside of them. It may be when you do something. It may be when you come to church. It may be when you listen uh, to, to worship music. It may be when you read the Bible. It may be when you pray that when you are in those places or when you do those things or when you're around those people, you feel closer to God. And I will tell you that that's a good thing. That's an aliveness that happens because of the realness of God. But oftentimes I describe that as moments in which you bump into a place where the fingerprints of God exist. It's good, but it's limited. Because what God offers you is an ability not to bump into his presence at a place or with a person or doing a certain things, but he says, I want you to have the experience of my presence from the inside out. And that's what he wants to do, is he wants to come and dwell inside of you because he loves you so much. I also want you to see that God's presence is synchronized to his word. You really see here a couple of different themes in this passage of Scripture. You see the theme of the Spirit, the Helper, the Holy Spirit in our lives, and you see this theme of the commandments of God. Did you notice that as we read through this? He talks about that the Spirit is going to come and be with you. The Spirit is going to come and affirm you. The Spirit is going to come to you. Now, keep my commandments. And if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to fully be engaged in that relationship that God wants to offer to you, he has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and he says, be obedient to the commandments of God. You see, the Spirit and the commandments both matter. They are the two great tools that we have in our toolbox for our spiritual growth. And in fact, don't make the mistake of thinking that one has replaced the other. But not at all. Jesus tells us that one of the key elements that connects us to God is the obedience to his commandments and to his word. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we emphasize his word here at Woodland Park Baptist Church. Not too long ago, someone asked me a question. We were just talking about some things at church. And they asked me the question and said, what is the one thing that Woodland Park... Baptist Church does best? That's a good question. And the truth is, we're still trying to unpack some of that question. And we're trying to do that. And we're trying to see where we are. And we're trying to see COVID kind of shifted this and shifted that. And we're trying to see, okay, how do we want to restructure some things as we come back post-COVID and, and continued COVID and all of those things. And so that's a really great question. What is it that Woodland Park does best? But I hope that as we answer that question, 
that one of the things that will be at the heart, at the target of what Woodland Park does best, is that the clear and direct teaching of the Word of God in the context of a Spirit-driven congregation. I hope that whatever we say that Woodland Park does best, that the clear and direct teaching of the Word and God in a Spirit-driven congregation will be central to who we are. I kind of chuckled about that this morning. It puts a little bit of pressure on a pastor and the pastoral staff. But it's not just me and it's not just our staff. By the way, we have great teaching staff. Michael is a fabulous teacher uh, of the Word. And, and you get a chance to, to listen to his Sunday school lessons every single week. They're published on, uh, the, on the church website. Some of you get those emailed uh, to you. He's a fabulous teacher. Brian taught the Word of God during our night of worship uh, a few weeks ago. I'm telling you, this church is blessed to have the width of teaching ability. And then we have our Sunday school classes that have met now for our third week back and going in all of the rooms upstairs and together gathering in a circle and opening up the Word of God and saying, let's think about what the Spirit of God says to us through His Word. Whatever we're going to learn about our church, about what we do best, it is my prayer, it is my commitment that I hope that people will say the Word of God is clearly and directly taught at Woodland Park Baptist Church because it matters. Not only is the Spirit and the Word not in competition with each other, but if you look back in the passage, you will see that the Spirit empowers the Word. Sometimes we get intimidated I don't know if I can study the Word of God. It may be that some of you may even have not attended a Sunday school class in a while because you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I know the answers. There might be pop quizzes in there. I don't, there, there are no pop quizzes in small group Sunday school classes. I promise there, 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 there aren't. But, but it may be that you just have a sense, oh, I don't know whether I can do this. I, I don't know how to, how to do these things. But listen to what it says. That Spirit of God that dwells inside of you he will teach you all things. Listen to that. The Spirit of God who wrote and breathed out the very words of Scripture, that same Spirit of God lives inside of every believer. Man, maybe you were a different kind of student than I was. But didn't you have a little bit of a fantasy that, that you could sit down for a test and there'd be this little voice inside of your ear? that knew all of the answers, and as you looked at the test, there would be this voice that, that was right there in your ear that would tell you the answers to the test. Okay, maybe that was just me. Um, never happened. Uh, it's probably going on right now with the way technology is, so teachers, keep an eye on that. Uh, but spiritually, that's what we have. The very person who inspired these words, who breathed life into these words, is the very Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And in fact, the, Jesus tells us that that Spirit will cause us to remember the words that He has spoken. And the Spirit will cause us to come to moments inside of our life, and if we will yield to Him and we will get quiet and we will listen to Him, the very Spirit of God says, this is the direction to go. And sometimes that'll be tricky because 
there'll be a thousand other voices that said, no, 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 this is the direction to go. But we have to listen because the Spirit of God that dwells inside of every believer will apply the Word of God to our lives. So study the Word, but know that the Spirit of God is alive in this moment of the preaching, teaching of the Word. And the Spirit of God is alive inside of you as you hear it, and the Spirit of God will be alive inside of you as you carry this Word into the rest of your life. So what difference does all of this make? Well, what's, what's the now what for our lives this week? I would tell you that the indwelling Spirit of God inside of the life of every believer changes me. The indwelling Spirit of God in the life of every believer changes you. The indwelling, living Spirit of God inside of us changes us. And what I mean by that is that the life of a believer is divided right in two between my life before the Spirit of God came to live inside of me and the life after the Spirit of God came to dwell inside of me. Now, I don't know what your story is. I, I don't know what your testimony is for me. It, it was when I was four or five years old, and I was in our living room, and, and I prayed and asked Jesus to come and live inside of my life. My life, no matter how old I get, will be divided in half before that moment and after that moment. Now, that doesn't mean that all of those moments before were, were of no value and of no use, and it doesn't mean that every moment after that becomes easy. But what it says is that my life is changed from the point that Jesus entered into my life as the living Spirit of God inside of me. The Spirit of God changes me. The Spirit of God also empowers me. The Spirit of God allows me that when I cry help, the Spirit of God is there to answer. Now, don't be confused. The Spirit of God, when I cry fetch, it doesn't respond in the same way. Uh, I can't just name any old thing that I want, and boom, that happens. But when I cry help, God himself, who lives inside of me, will assure that I have everything that I need for all of the things of faith and all of the things of life. And then I would tell you that the Spirit of God living inside of you defines you. The Spirit of God living inside of me defines me. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? I think it's a no-brainer, but I don't think we talk about it very much. Remember what we said a little bit ago, that living inside of you is the Spirit of God. Where does God live? He lives inside of you, that every single believer, rich or poor, man or woman, bright and shiny, or, or tucked away in a corner someplace, every single follower of Jesus has the Spirit of God living inside of them. Can I tell you that the most important thing about you, believer, is that the Spirit of God lives inside of you? Can I tell you that the most interesting thing about you is that the Spirit of God 
It lives inside of you. Can I tell you that the most joyful thing about you is that the Spirit of God lives inside of you? Can I tell you that the most hopeful thing about you is that the Spirit of God lives inside of you? Can I tell you that the best thing about you is that the Spirit of God lives inside of you? Well, the best thing about you is that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And that should define me. You know, you've got all different ways you can define yourself. You know, you, you, you're from Louisiana. You, you like this or you don't like this. And you, you, you work here and you've got this many kids. All different kinds of things define us. But the greatest thing that defines your life if you're a believer in Christ is God himself lives inside of you and loves you from the inside out and empowers you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. I want you to notice that I've been careful with my words this morning because what I've wanted to say clearly is that the Spirit of God lives inside of the life of every single believer. What I need to be careful about is that I don't say that the Spirit of God lives inside of every single person because that's not what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus said, the world is not going to see this. The world is not going to understand this. The world is not going to experience this. But only my disciples, only my followers. And so I want you to hear that. I want you to hear the promises of God, but I want you to know this is a promise of God that he says, this is for my followers. This is for the believers in Christ. So what if you're here this morning and you're not a believer. You're not a disciple. You're not a follower. Well, I have to tell you that as of this moment, based on the words of Jesus, this promise isn't for you. It is for those who are in Christ. But I also have to tell you that because of what Jesus Christ has already done for you, this can be a promise for you as of this moment as well. All you have to do is allow him to love you, to forgive you, to will indwell you. All you have to do is allow it. He says, any person who will come to me and ask for forgiveness. Any person who will come to me and make me in charge of their life, I'll do it. We celebrated the beginning of the service, Caleb's baptism. That was available for Caleb. It's available for any other person. I'm going to be at the back table at the end of the service. If you say, boy, I, I, I would like that experience. Now, not the baptism, but the indwelling of the Spirit of God because I'm a believer. And I'd love to talk to you. But just as we said for Caleb, it, it doesn't have to be with the pastor. It doesn't have to be in a geographical spot. It's a conversation between you and Jesus. A church doesn't save you. A pastor doesn't save you. It's Jesus. So talk to him. And even as we sing, you can have that conversation with him. Just pour out your heart. Ask for your forgiveness. Ask for that indwelling of the Spirit. And He 
will do it. Rich or poor, tall or short, young or old, man or woman, American, Nigerian, shiny or forgotten. He will do it. Our Heavenly Father, your words are so good, they're so true. And so, Lord, I pray for two groups of people this morning. I pray for the believer that needed to be reminded of this truth. Lord, that over the passage of time, we just kind of forget how remarkable it is that you live inside of the believer. So, Lord, I pray that you would renew them and refresh them and empower them. Lord, I pray that they would be reminded that they are defined by your presence inside of them. And then, Lord, I pray for a person who may be here today that has never received your indwelling. Maybe it's because they'd never heard it. Maybe it's because they weren't interested. Maybe it's because they didn't think they qualified. But Lord, if they will call on you, even in this moment, they will be saved. And you will come and live inside of them forever. Amen.